Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Oh my goodness, you guys. This is episode 40. We're grown up. We're, we're middle-aged. Middle-aged. <laughs> middle Can you imagine if like every podcast episode was like a year, if it took like a year for us to get here for each episode? We'd be oh, like God, 80, exhausted. 80 that, something. Yeah, that would be tough. But. <laughs> but yeah, episode 40. For those of you that started with us in the beginning and still listening, thanks. Yeah, that's Good for you. Deal. Good for you. And welcome to two, uh, to new listeners, because uh, I know we've picked up a couple of new listeners. And like last episode, um, all about like when you're in a relationship and your goals are moving in opposite directions, which was actually a subject tossed out by my dearest husband, um, turned into quite the baller episode. Um, yeah, we got a lot of really good feedback. People found that one really useful. A lot of good feedback, yeah. And and after sort of recording it, there was something, you know, like, I hate those moments when, like, you're in a conversation or you're, like, you're in a moment and you say stuff and then you walk away and you're like, damn it, this, I should have should have elaborated or this. added this. <laughs> so I'm going to add this, just kind of piggybacking off of last week's episode, because um, I was thinking about, like, what I was saying about how like Dave and I had sort of different responses to the pandemic in terms mm-hmm. of like emotions and how that then in turn affects your decisions, your lifestyle choices and all the rest of it. And, and I was kind of contemplating like the why behind that. And um, really what I feel it comes down to and what a lot of like emotional eating stuff comes down to is what realm you choose to exist in, right? Whether you live in like your sphere of control or whether you live like far removed from that in the sphere of you really have no freaking control whatsoever. And like, yeah. I'm very, very good at looking at the big picture and going, well, there's nothing I can do about that. There's kind of something I can do about that. What can I actually own? Like wake up on a given day. What can, what am I in charge of? What am I in control of? What, what do I need to focus my energy and attention on that's actually going to be able to produce some kind of useful like outcome. And for Dave, especially like during the pandemic time, he very much lived in the world of like, you know, watching the news and, and seeing like death tolls and crazy politics and like, you know, all of this stuff that as an individual, he had pretty much zero control over. And right? I think, I mean, and I think I, a lot of people did most that. Most people were probably in his camp rather than yeah. yours at that point. Right. I mean, just really feeling like everything was completely out of our control. And, you know, so I was just thinking that that would be a useful ad because you know, and it doesn't have to be related to a pandemic because hopefully that's a one-off for most of us. Hopefully. But, you know, in life, when you get challenged with crazy shit, it is definitely worth, especially if you sort of feel like that sense of panic and like spiraling out of control and then reaching for things that give you immediate comfort, which is food or alcohol or drugs for some people, whatever, being like, hang on, you know, am I focused on the right thing here? And if you are focused on stuff that you literally can do nothing about, then dial it back. And even if it's something so simple, like I can make my bed today and I've achieved something, yep. then do that. And that really, really helps to sort of maybe not completely alleviate, but like reduce the sort of emotional response to things. 
So just wanted to throw that out there. I didn't want that thought to be kind of lost and gone right. and not shared. Um, but yeah, there you go. Put it out into the world. It's good to have follow-ups. I actually realized like so many things um, now that we have 40 episodes uh, behind us, or I guess this one will be the 40th. Um, I think about that. Like, are we, how, how often do we repeat ourselves? Or like when we start talking about things, the conversations feel familiar and then I'm like, oh, is that because that was a previous episode? Or are we saying fresh things that we're just going to link back to all the rest of them? But yeah, the sphere of control, I mean, that also makes me think, I think we did talk about just sort of, uh, remember Atomic Habits? Yeah. That, that conversation, right? Around like, there's all this good research, why putting something like making your bed on your to-do list is actually very useful mental health wise um because it is an achievement that most of us can make but i mean i feel like we repeat ourselves probably quite a lot yeah we probably do um <laughs> our listeners would probably know better than us <laughs> but you know that's because there's so many common themes and threads that run through life and you know that's that just is, how it that is. is exactly either how that it is. or just quite boring we have nothing better to say right maybe so we, we do just, we just circle through just uh, package it up in different uh, different titles of podcasts and put it out into the world or but, we drink too much wine and just true that happens <laughs> um i also should say that this is going to be released on the right day but a little bit late because we kind of let ourselves have a weekend off last weekend and then when we looked at recording dates we went oh shit oh yeah life life gets in the way sometimes uh <laughs> it does and but anyway all of that stuff aside we're here today to talk about something that is different from last week, last week's, oh, last episode's topic, um, and that is uh, the Morning Chalk Up, which is a well-known CrossFit news outlet, I guess you'd call it, mm -hmm. um, recently did a series where it featured, like, I think all of, not all maybe, but a good chunk of their female contributors, writers, and yeah. podcast hosts and stuff. Um where they talked about their body image and their experiences with like how they looked and how they fit in and in their various like work situations and sport situations and stuff. So we thought it would be kind of fun to look over that and then consider our own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the series, it was, it was six of them. And, um, I think the title was something like fighting, fighting the stories in our heads, which mm -hmm. we have definitely uh, used a variation of that same title, I think, to have conversations about how we talk to ourselves and, um, and reading through them all really did make me think even back to our earliest episodes where you and I told our kind of stories and journeys around even just being aware of our uh, body images and well, just aware of our bodies, I think, from kind of an early age too. So yeah, it's, it's a very cool series. I, I recommend people checking out, you know, listening to what, what we're going to chat about, but then also checking out the series itself um, on the Morning Chalk Up website. So how do you want to do this? Like, do you want to go through each girl? Do you want to talk about sort of like themes that come up? Do you want to talk about how it made you feel reading their experiences? I mean, I'm good with either. I sort of, I, I really dove into it. I really enjoyed uh reading them all because their stories were all different, but all of them really felt familiar to topics I've either struggled with myself or things we've talked about on the podcast. Um, so we could just kind of, I guess, chat through each of them and kind of see where that goes. Yeah. And I mean, like all of them kind of end up bringing it full circle from like wherever they started as a kid and their first experiences of kind of being aware of their body image to like how they feel now in terms of like 
measuring up in the CrossFit community. Yeah. And I would also be really interested um, if they did this for guys too, because like, it's really easy to go, oh, you know, CrossFit allows you to kind of be like big and thick and strong and powerful. And that's a new thing for girls, but it's also like, it's not just to do with females. There's like males that I know who have spent their lives like being skinny and want to be strong and are totally intimidated about going into something like a CrossFit gym. Absolutely. And if you, I mean, if you look at the CrossFit elite CrossFit field, I mean, the the types of men's bodies that you see out there are just as varied as the women's bodies. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, that, yeah, maybe morning chalk up. Uh, we're gonna tag you if you're listening. We'd love to see a series like this with uh, with some of your male contributors too. But to go with our females, uh, let's start with Lauren Khalil. I mean, she's pretty much one of the biggest names on the list now. She does all oh, the yeah. morning chalk up like podcast, video, video editions. Yeah. Um, one of those people that I'm kind of hoping to maybe bump into at the CrossFit right. Games. So right, hi. I might bump um, into all these people. Who knows? So, yeah, I mean, I read through her article and like her big point was, you know, she the I just wrote down kind of words or phrases that stuck out to me, like thunder thighs and stocky girl and big boobs and not feminine. Yeah, this one, I mean, thunder thighs and double D's like I read that and I was like, oh, this is this is the one I'm going to resonate with the most because like that's like I just. I don't know, I really was like that that felt like my journey in high school uh being like yep I'm just always bigger boned right we've talked about being big boned um but I also got big boobs and I was sort of it was it was great to sort of see them kick off the series with someone that I connected with that much um but you know her journey like struggling with that and sort of finding that there was acceptance for all kinds of bodies in the CrossFit community her 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 story starts with you know starts the series with a pretty happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. Like she talks through, um, you know, what it what it was like to kind of deal with becoming muscular, having people judge her for not looking feminine. Um, and when she kind of finishes the journey, she really says, like, for the first time in her life now on most days, uh, her ideal body type is the one she's got right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was remarkable. I mean, it doesn't I get think, much better than that, right? right? Like... And the series, the way Morning Chalk Up kind of frames the series is that is the classic story, right? Whatever you're struggling with, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm not sure what I am. CrossFit, you know, I discovered CrossFit, I got muscular, and then all of a sudden everything was great. And I found my ideal body type and a community that supported it, the end. Um, And so hers kind of kicks that off in a way that models that story. Um, but it's never that simple, I guess, is kind of what the rest of the series goes on to, uh, yeah, goes on to explore. And I love for her that that is it. Like, I thought that was so cool to wake up every day and be like, on most days, this right now, you know, that I see in the mirror is my ideal body type. Cause I don't know if I feel that every day. Well, you know, it's like, uh, the, I don't know whether somebody wrote this or whether I just thought it, but I wrote a big <laughs> note at the top of my page. It's like, stop fighting yourself. Like literally this there's so much you can do with like lifestyle choices and nutrition and fitnessing and all, and taking good care of yourself. But beyond that, you were born with a set of genetics yeah. and you know, there, there's a thing, there's things about me that I love and there's things about me that I'm like, 
God damn it. That is so annoying. But what I've come to learn through my trials and tribulations is like, for sure, I could spend the rest of my life trying to get a tiny ass and be freaking miserable every single day. But it's just like, it's no longer, I, I just feel like maybe it happens when you get into your 40s and you're just like, I'm done with like <laughs> judging myself and not the, letting the world judge me. It's like, this is, this is what I've got and I'm going to do my best with what I've got. And I'm going to like train this thing as long as it'll train for and as hard as it will accept. And you know what? If, if my ass isn't the same shape that I want as tier two me's, well, this is the shit all I can do about that, you know? So I wish that magically happened at 40. You just sort of became less judgmental of yourself. <laughs> but I also think that this is interesting, and we've definitely spoken about this. It's like up until this decade that I've literally, I'm just beginning 42, like, you know, in your teenage years, yes, your body, that sort of decade, it changes shitloads. In your 20s and 30s, yeah, of course there's going to be changes. But, you know, you're probably not going to see, like, crazy radical aging or anything like that. Or, like, your body's unlikely to do something. Like, maybe pregnancy. Right, right, if you're going through. Um, yeah. But, like, you're, you're not kind of looking at, oh, this could be the decade where the menopause happens, where things are going to happen to my body. No matter how hard I try, it's going to change. It just is. And said, the menopause. The menopause. <laughs> like the thing. We're going to put the pause on what I knew and restart with something different. You know, in this next decade, there's going to be some aging stuff that starts oh, yeah. to, like, make itself more known. That's been happening all the time. It's not like you don't right. age, then you turn 40, and then all of the aging happens, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> that would be terrible. Visibly might start revealing But, yeah, like, things are going to yeah. start. Like, I already noticed things, you know, skin isn't quite as tight as it once was and you know there's bits of you that it just if there's maybe there's a bit of subcutaneous fat that's like i'm here for the long ride sister so <laughs> strap on in and let's go i'm not going anywhere and it's just like i don't i'm like i think i said to you like slightly drunk on my birthday when i was like i'm so sick of like being at war with myself yeah like i'm just so tired of it like i would rather put that energy into something else than yeah. just be like constantly judging and constantly going, oh gosh, this doesn't look like it did 10 years ago. What should I do? Oh, reality is I'd have to go and get freaking thousands of dollars worth of surgery. And even then I probably would find something else that I wasn't happy about. So it's just like, I'm not going to fight myself that much anymore. I can't tell you that I'm not going right. to. fight. I'm just going to, I think the most important thing for me when it comes to like body image now is like, am I doing, and this is kind of like the sphere of control thing. Am I doing everything I can to be, in the best shape I can be and as happy and healthy as I can be. Yeah. And beyond that, poof, let that shit go. Yeah. And I do appreciate it. I mean, like, you know, Lauren Khalil, she, she finished it by, you know, acknowledging in that last sentence, it's most days, right? Like yeah. there's also acknowledging there's always going to be days where maybe even if we achieve that great body neutral, like just love yourself, love your body as it is, stop fighting it. Um, there's still going to be hard days too. Yeah, and, and you know, when you're female and you're dealing with a like wild kind of roller coaster of hormones, mm -hmm. you could be one day you could be loving everything about yourself, appreciating that your body that you once thought was too big to do gymnastics can do strict handstand push ups and bar muscle ups and stuff like that, and or lift 30, 40 pounds more than your body weight, squat clean much more than you ever imagined you would. 
And then the very next day, out of the blue, you can literally look at yourself in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I'm yep. some kind of sea creature from the deep for like no reason whatsoever. <laughs> sea creature from the deep. Have you been watching The Little Mermaid again? Are you thinking about <laughs> Ursula? I feel like, I feel like Ursula's got a good story too, probably. But like when I, when I read Lauren's, um, I actually thought that you'd probably be like, oh yeah, I resonate. It's, it's interesting because on the one hand, this is not going to make any sense what I'm about to say because I was the anorexic who became 77 pounds as an 18 yeah. year old. Um, but outside of like that little like speed bump, I've never been, I've never like had anything that has caused me to stand out. I've never had big boobs. I've never been super tall. Um, okay. I was super skinny when I was like unhealthy, like and sick, but like as a, you know, in a healthy weight range, I'm not skinny. I'm not right. big bodied. Okay, I'm just kind of like, I really am trying to resist using the word average because I hate describing myself right. as that. Yeah. But like my physical dimensions, I, you know, the, the, there's nothing on me size wise that would cause anybody to go, oh, Right? In the way, like, when you're a teenager and you suddenly grow double D boobs. I remember yeah. girls at school oh and I was goodness. like, whoa, look yeah. at those things. I mean, when I was reading it, I was thinking, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but, I mean, it called to mind all those times where um, when I was kind of coming of age and I didn't yet wear a bra and I would get my dad, because my dad was a doctor, to, like, literally write me notes excusing me from things in like gym class because like I didn't want to change in the change room and I mean this is like I yeah I mean I guess thanks dad for like letting me not be embarrassed but I mean that's how focused on it I was like how embarrassed I was about the changes in my body was like I would literally like fake a doctor's need to like this not also, take part in what like middle I mean, school it's kind of interesting that we probably had like opposite experiences that and like you needed the bra. Mm -hmm. And then when we were in that same situation, the gym changing room, and there were girls who were like wearing bras, and then there was the group of it us that were like, <laughs> what is that? And when do we get one? When do we get one? And then you yeah. start like, as more and more people like kind of get one, and then there's a whole group of those people yeah. who really need them. Yeah. Some people were just like, mothers had bought them that for, you know, be part of the crowd. And others like really needed them. And then there was those of us that are like, uh. Do you remember something called a training bra? Yeah. Like what did those, what did that mean? What did, what did it train? Because my memory of training bras were that they didn't, like they were for people who actually just didn't really have boobs yet, but wanted yeah. a bra. It was like, like, so they were like completely flat. Like there wasn't. Like... Yeah. There was no, they were like. <laughs> Back in the day, like underwire was a big thing. There was no need for really any support or anything. Yeah. It's just like, here you go. You can feel you, like everyone you want, else. You feel, okay, so that was what it was. You could feel like everyone else. Like, here's a bra. You were training to go through the motions of putting a bra on. Not like oh. you were training your boobs to sit in there because there was well, no boobs to put in there. Okay, okay. Yeah, That. what a bizarre concept to call something like a training bra. <laughs> like... But I think that, yeah, I mean, I think Lauren is, it's good that, I love where she's got to. The, yeah. And I think like one, actually one interesting thing of her story is that she was like a local TV news presenter. Yeah. And that people would write into the show to say that she didn't Ugh. look feminine mm -hmm. because she had like big shoulders or whatever. And like when I look at her, 
and I honestly, it would be really, I wish I could kind of wind myself back 20 years when I kind of had a different take on body image and, you know, right. and to see how wasn't you might immersed view, in how you might have viewed the CrossFit back community then. celebrating like big shoulders and like, I love my shoulders. It's my favorite part. Um, but like, I wonder if I would have looked at her and gone, oh, wow. Yeah. You're kind of like solid looking. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what was so tough for me about like reading that part too was I mean this was probably a while ago um I think she did say people would call in or write into the station so like before the internet maybe when now it's so easy to like judge people to like be a troll um but then also that she followed that up by talking about how her employer would ask her to wear long sleeves then right so it wasn't even just she had to like take shit from stupid people who were judging her body um you know, she was also at a workplace that said, you should probably cover that up. Which is kind of like, even now when I look at her, and I, I, I don't doubt that like she's more muscular now because she's been immersed in the world of CrossFit. But like, even now when I look at her, I don't look at her and go, oh my gosh, girl. Like in an admirable, like you're really big way. I look yeah. at her as a very normal looking person. And... You know, what kind of a person is was ever looking at her going, that's wrong. Yeah. You don't fit. And well, it also, like, completely undermines her role as, like, a, a news presenter. Like, she was just there to be eye candy. And uh, then they clearly never valued anything that came out of her mouth. It's just like, oh, I wanted to turn my TV on this morning and just look at something that fit this little, neat little pretty box. Yep. That's a... And that is something that I don't think that her male counterparts would experience because I doubt someone's writing in going, Oh dude, your shoulders are too broad or, right? Oh, you need yeah. to put in some shoulder pads to look more butch or something like that. Yeah. Dumb I mean, that's standards. A, absolute. That's, that's a whole other episode to unpack all of the <laughs> probably history of body, body image things perpetuated by like news anchors and, uh, weather people the stereotype of weather girls and all that too. I mean, it was an interesting scenario when I first got into like professional sailing that I still kind of was close enough to anorexia days where I wanted to look on the slimmer side, mm -hmm. but, and it worked while I was doing inshore racing because having somebody who's fast, efficient and light is really important. You don't want extra weight on your boat. Right. But when I got to like offshore ocean racing, if you're some teeny tiny little frail person, you're going to get washed down the deck and you're useless. Right. You you're need hopeless. To be, you need uh, sturdy. And you know, <laughs> I started racing bigger and bigger boats and you, you need to have some weight behind you. So that was like an interesting thing too, about sort of figuring out like, where do I fit here? And like, what is more important? Like having been sort of hung up on just what I look like to like, is that, is it more important now for me to be able to perform? And then what does that look like? So, yeah, I mean, trying to look a certain way. I mean, for sports, yes. Being optimized for your sport and sometimes like for sailing, like I'm still much more muscular on my upper body than my lower body and probably always will be because I spent 15 years pulling ropes and lifting sails. <laughs> yep. And don't, there's not a whole lot of leg action that happens there. Um, and then, you know, gymnasts will look a certain way and soccer players will look a certain way. Like soccer players need to be like, 
it's all legs, but they don't want super thick legs. They're gonna yeah, have to sprint, and then really like heavy. soccer players' arms don't really need to do a whole heck of a lot. So, uh, it is kind of interesting to see how bodies get specialized. But like for a job like reading the news, what does it really matter? I know you would think it wouldn't matter at all, but really, that is television. You just gotta be able to talk well. <laughs> And not, like, well, spit or do anything yeah. weird with your mouth while you're talking. As long as you can speak clearly, surely that is what you want most out of your uh, your newscasters. But, hey, but I mean, think, wrong. think about that. Like, if we were on video doing this podcast, like, do you think we'd be, we'd be wearing what we're wearing right now? Yeah. <laughs> I would be. And I'd be holding my foot. Yeah, you'd like, be like... <laughs> I mean, maybe we picking would. Picking the calluses maybe, on my hands. Maybe we would not mind at all, but... Yep, that's that's that makes sense for me in TV. Um, what about a- Ava Kitsy? This this one this one I thought maybe if 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 Lauren was was sort of my my counterpart to resonate with this one I I definitely thought of you like she talked about, uh, well yeah basically her journey with an eating disorder as well but also started CrossFit at age nine. What? Yeah, I wish CrossFit had been invented when I was nine. Right. Man, that would have been cool. Um, I mean, so, hers, I just, the, the line I'll just start with was like, so yeah, started CrossFit at age nine and she went to the same gym as Brooke Wells mm-hmm. and she took note that people loved Brooke's butt. But I mean, <laughs> that's, like the first that's, thing. She's, she's still pretty young, right? She's like in her teens. I think so. Yeah. So like, but if you'd put Brooke Wells' bum in like my whatever's doing like ballet class or whatever because this this girl mentions about doing like ballet and being called too too like chubby for the ballet class um but you know if you put brooke wells butt in a gym full of young girls back when i was nine i doubt it would have been sought after no right people would have been also like, been told oh, like that's way what too is big that? or something yeah. um yeah it's true although i mean i definitely remember my first day walking into a CrossFit gym and did you, uh, do you remember the butt? So <laughs> I mean, I kind of do like I, there, there was this amazing athlete at our gym. Um, she was a former Olympic swimmer and I walked in my first like real class there and she was just doing wall balls. And I was like, Oh my God, like that's the most beautiful thing ever. Like, I mean, she's also like, six feet blonde and fits all kinds of other uh normal like beauty ideals i guess but i definitely remember looking at like the strength and like power of that of that tall body that was by no means skinny right like it was thick with muscles and just being like wow i think i know you're talking about first time i saw her i was like I should probably just leave. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, but, the gym that you and I started at had some specimens. Where but were what like I loved... Very, I was very intimidated early on. <laughs> what I loved was like that I looked at her and was just like... I didn't want to leave because I was like, oh, hard pass. I was like, <laughs> I want to be you. And then I look at myself. I'm like, I'm probably never going to be you. But like, at least I could try, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like Ava was talking about sort of... Oh, so many experience. I mean, like my God, how many kids, but like body images are just like screwed up by really, really like ignorant trainers, coaches, teachers when they're young. Yeah, 
that's definitely the part that I hate reading about, right? Is like when you realize how many other people were involved in the like messed upness. <laughs> and also these... like you're young, you know, there are plenty of people who as a child look one way and once they go through puberty, they get spat out oh, the yeah. other end of it being entirely different. Yeah. And even if somebody was in a ballet class and was like, you know, bigger bodied, who's to say they can't do ballet? I mean, maybe they're not interested in taking it all the way to, like, the national stage or whatever. Maybe they just love to dance yeah. and ballet is their, their outlet. So what does it matter? What size you are? It matters that you show up. It matters that you try. It matters that, you know, you put in the work to learn the moves and all the rest of it. But being told or being made aware, even if you're not told directly, I think it's almost worth, yeah, like, it's being, being made, made aware, aware of it. yeah. that you don't fit the mold. What? I mean, that is one thing that I've always admired in CrossFit gyms, you know, when I've dropped into places around the world that, you know, you always do that and look around the class before you start. Like, who who <laughs> am I up to, against here? To who's who's going to crush me? Who's, who's, you know, who do I think I can beat? And the number of times I have been monumentally surprised oh, yeah. by somebody who is either like tiny and gets under insane amounts of weight or who is bigger and throws down gymnastics that I can't even imagine doing. Yep. And that's and I love that stuff. Like, there's no... You know, sure, if you're taking things to, like, the elite level of professionalism, you probably are going to have to have a specific body type that's pretty well specialized. Yeah. Especially, you know, something like ballet. You look at ballet dancers, and they're pretty similar, what you're looking at. There's they a are. few outliers coming in now. But, you know, there's... There's a size and a shape that works and that fits and that, but that doesn't, that's like the, the very, very like top tiny bit of a percent. But if you like at nine years old, if you happen to be carrying a little bit of puppy fat, that does not mean you, yeah. you got to quit. It's pretty amazing though. Cause like, I mean, I definitely remember my gymnastics coaches as a kid. I mean, I, I don't remember any of them ever specifically saying things about being smaller but I absolutely was aware of it. So clearly it was there somehow. Um, and that was back in the 80s. So, I mean, if you look at like the American superstar, like Mary Lou Retton as a gymnast and put her next to Simone Biles, like gymnasts now are like super muscular and amazing and that's normal. But back then, Mary Lou Retton, I mean, she was tiny. She probably could have been a ballet dancer body type like so it is really interesting that like like what you said like sometimes it's not even someone telling you something it's just we we apparently put kids all the time in these environments that just make them aware of how different they are mm -hmm. when it has like you said nothing to do with kind of enjoying themselves or enjoying the sport right? and I think like some of the problem or just doing something for fun with things like dance and gymnastics is like the outfit that you're wearing Ugh. is going <laughs> to draw attention to you if you're not the person that was originally, like, the whole thing was modeled around, right? That's true. I mean, like, in our sport, we have options, right? You could wear long leggings. You can wear high-waisted leggings. You can wear shorts. You can wear, All like, kinds of sports slightly flappier shorts, you know? <laughs> There's ways to be down and nearly naked. Danny Spiegel, <laughs> shout out to you. Right. And there's ways to be considerably more covered up. Um whatever feels good for you um but yeah I mean gymnastics and ballet when you're especially when you're younger that's kind of awkward 
And they should, that's something that should be, and I, I haven't, maybe it is being worked on, but I would feel like something that would be a good thing in schools, especially when kids are doing it literally for the fun of doing it. Not yeah. like this is a serious training regimen. You've got to get used to this outfit because this is how you're going to have to be in the world. But there should be like options for leotards and other things where there's, you know, there's, there's ways of presenting yourself where you'd feel more comfortable if you have become cripplingly self-conscious about your body. So that you keep doing it rather than being like, yikes, yeah. I can't do this because I gotta hide. I'm gonna get a that's... letter from my parents to, so I don't have to go and do something because right? I feel so awkward. I mean, that's a, it's a really good point. Like, I, I know a lot more, I guess, about brands of clothing now that have, like, inclusive sizing. But, like, does that exist for, like, an eight-year-old girl who wants to do gymnastics? Like, are... Can you get leotards that make different body types feel comfortable, I guess, doing those sports? And, you I'd know, like I think, to think that they've moved in that direction. I but. would love to see, like, for young people, demonstrations and, like, like being exposed to seeing people of all different sizes doing the stuff that they're doing. Absolutely. Because I know there's people that are, like, four times the size that I am that could knock me out of the park in terms of gymnastics. Oh, yeah. And I love it. I love watching it. I'm just like, damn, I have no excuses. Keep working. Let's go. I remember, I think it was, I want to say it was one of those shows where people, uh, like maybe like America's Got Talent or something like that, but it was a, like a plus sized pole dancer. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely insane. I mean, like this is someone that probably weighed at least one and a half times my body weight, maybe more who controlled her amazing body, like, in a way that, like, I can't even imagine, right? Pole dancing is all core and, like... Oh, I've tried it. Grip strength. It is not easy. I got, like, stuck to the And pole. it's so... It is. It's amazing, right? And you, like... Like, I think you're absolutely right. Like, people should see all kinds of body shapes and sizes doing different sports all the time because, yeah. I but mean, I think that's, that's what... the reality. People are out there doing it. We're just not seeing it as the ideal. I mean, like, so Ava was saying that, you know, this whole experience of being too, too chunky or for, uh, or too chubby for ballet resulted in, even if it's not a full-blown eating disorder, definitely the, the desire to undereat and go mm-hmm. hungry and feeling like that would fix the problem. But then, you know, we all know that doesn't, I can attest for that. It doesn't make you feel better, kids. Things, things don't get better. <laughs> um, but the cool thing is that even like in her teenage years, she's realizing that there there should be balance. Yeah. There needs to be balance. And that when you find some balance and you learn some self-acceptance, then everything that you're trying to achieve becomes more fun. And when it's more fun, you want to do more of it. And then you're already like wrapped up in kind of like a positive cycle of like, yeah, I want to take care of myself and I want to enjoy this more. And and then you get better at it rather than like, I'm going to withdraw more and I'm going to be hungry and then my performance is going to go to shit. Then I'm going to hate it and I'm going to get depressed. Yeah. So good for you, Ava. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in hers for, for someone so young. I was impressed again, like Lauren. I'm like, I'm jealous. Like that's, you have that amazing balance kind of wisdom. And I think body. our next girl, Andy... Farias? 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, like, she was talking, too, about, like, this whole being, ex- you know, being surrounded by, like, people who are small and lean and, like, yearning after small and lean, but 
in Mexico, I think where she's from or where she grew up or whatever, that there's so much violence against women, small, tiny women, that she was like, actually, why do I want to be small and tiny? Like, I want to be somebody who, if I'm presented with that situation, makes a potential attacker think twice. Not just like, oh, here's a small, tiny person. I yeah. can just take advantage of them. And she talked, I also liked that she was also talking about kind of getting away from like sort of prioritizing being small and lean and putting that on a pedestal and going actually overall health. And she in particular mentioned like hormonal health yeah. is really what we should all give a shit about. And I've said it over and over and again that like when you are making good choices and you're healthy and you're generally feeling happier and then you generally want to do more in terms of like movement, physical activity, like adventures. And then you end up looking more like you actually really want to because you're doing the stuff because yeah. it's fun. Right. Well, and, and the, the, you know, a lot of that is about hormones, right? I mean, even taking the stress out of it, the stress hormone element. And yeah, I was definitely really struck by that too. Like her desire to just have like a healthy cycle again um after not having it and having that ideal i mean i remember that growing up too as a doing gymnastics being told like oh like the really good gymnasts don't go through puberty they never have their period like i i didn't know back then that all that meant was that their body fat percentage was too low to support like healthy hormones i just thought that that was like a an indicator of being an elite athlete as a gymnast and then maybe like, you're, so that's what you want. you're elite for a handful of years yeah. and then you spend the rest of your life suffering and as you get to our age, you've already crumbled from osteoporosis. Right. And... Like who, like there's so many compounding effects of like not having a healthy menstrual cycle as a woman. And so, I mean, I, I, I really, I mean, I'm sure, you know, in your nutrition coaching, you've had clients like that too, right? Where it's like, we're going to reverse diet you and see if your period comes back like that. Well, I know in anorexia, when it stopped it, it was a mark of success. Yeah. That's how you knew it was working, right? Yeah. You don't have a period anymore. And like that celebration, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm killing it. And it's like, no, I'm actually yeah. killing me. Dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of like, you know, argument in, in you know, medical fields and, and practitioners who say like for, for women um, that basically your your period is like another vital sign, right? So mm-hmm. things like your heartbeat, all the pulse indicators of just general health. Blood pressure, pulse, I'm what are all the vital signs? <laughs> I should know this. <laughs> all of the other ones, uh, that a period is then the next one. Where and it's true, right? Because there are times when even if you have a healthy normal cycle, just being stressed, right? At work, at in family um, having a high level of stress, your period just might not come that month. And that's an indicator that something's wrong. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just thought that was such an important point to bring up in a series that was like by obviously like, you know, um, cis women, right? Like, so that is, that is the hormonal indication is such a, a part of body image or body health that maybe we also just don't talk about as much because it's not visible. True, true. And like just going back to the whole, you know, wanting to be strong, to stand up, to, to be more of like a powerful looking figure so you're less vulnerable. Like I remember from sailing around the world being in some pretty sketchy places and we were in the back of a taxi one night and oh, the guy the taxi like story. That's stopped right. in the middle of the street. Like there were plenty of cars around, but he just stopped, locked his doors. And there was like four of us in there, all, all females. 
and then like turns around and and I was just like this is this isn't good um but I was like I actually had a sailing knife in the bag. I'm not sure if I would have ever used it if we had to. Um, yeah. Luckily, in the end, nothing bad happened. But it was like that moment of a realization of like, I don't ever want to feel like I can just be overpowered in a heartbeat. I at least want to know that I have the strength and power to fight back. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I do think that's such a powerful part of her story. And, and obviously, I think living in Mexico, um, you know, there's probably a lot of differences in that culture related to that um, where yeah she was brought up thinking like women needed to be they either were going to be weak and vulnerable or they needed to be protected by men so I think she says in the end too not only does she feel strong and empowered um, the men in her life now have also learned to sort of respect strength in women rather than you mm -hmm. know, seeing them in a certain way so I thought that was very cool that her own journey basically is also influencing the people around her and that is like a big, you know, there's a lot of places in the world where a big cultural shift needs to happen. Oh, for where sure. Like a lot of Asian countries where their women are tiny. Yeah. And they're tiny dolls and they're pretty and they, they sort of, they need their men folk to like guard them, watch over them, pick up anything that weighs more than like yeah. 10 pounds or whatever. It's just like that, when that culture shifts, like I'm so grateful that I live in a culture that. You know, if you're big and strong as a female, then go yeah. you. Yeah, it is It is definitely less judged. I mean, obviously, like with Lauren's story, people are still going to tell you you look like a like transgendered or you're not feminine. You're always going to get hate. But it is much more accepted in the sense that, yeah, you're not. Yeah. I mean, it, I was it, better it, here, but it's not ideal still. Like I, it, that always used to make me laugh, like as I sort of went through sailing and like ocean sailing is... It's not glamorous at all. Like there is no makeup. There's no hair. There's like <laughs> two, anywhere from two to four weeks being kicked in the ass by the ocean. And when you arrive at your destination, you look like shit. Yeah. You probably smell like it There's too. not a lot of but vanity. Like, you know, your, your fingers are all beat up. Your fingernails are all torn off. Your hands are beat up and cracking. Like you're, you're weather beaten. You're crusted in salt. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's not a good look. And you know, I know, you know, but within that world, that's, you know, good for you. You just did something cool. And then it'd step into like, you know, restaurants or the local bar or whatever. And there'd be people that would turn heads and be like, yikes. Yeah. And when I first started to notice like people turning heads and I would just be like, oh God, shit. Should I go like clean myself up? And then I was like, wait a minute. You just sat on your ass yeah. in a bar for a I just while. Did I just raced amazing. across the ocean, so I really couldn't give two shits what you think right now. That's how I feel when I come off of a backpacking trip or like down from a mountain, right? It's like I'm absolutely gonna roll into that restaurant and eat and drink to my heart's content while being filthy because I just did that. <laughs> so next girl, Kate Gannon, talked about volleyball. Um, and you know, volleyball players typically on the taller side and yep. how she was, you know, it was a badge of honor to be like the tall skinny one yeah, she with had, minimal She pooch. had no pooch. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta, like, you gotta rock the pooch. Camille LeBlanc-Bazinet used to call it like the power pooch, The right? power pooch. 
I mean, it's funny that that is a theme that I saw run through a lot of these was like the focus on abs and bellies and pooches. And yeah, that the abs still seem to be the main focal point. <laughs> and, you know, and that's one um, fascinating thing. And I think this uh, people could learn a lot from this, right? A CrossFit, an elite level CrossFit athlete is likely to have visible abs because they're highly trained and most of them yeah. are fairly lean. But when you look at the females, some people have ridiculous like six plus packs that are very yeah. clearly defined. Yeah. Some people are insanely strong, yeah. but maybe you see two or four abs and oh, yeah. there's not that aggressive definition. Does it mean that they don't have like insane yeah. core strength? Like heck no. It's yeah, I mean, the core strength is there. Genetic, they're, yeah. They're different. So, like, this whole, I'm going to place my life value in, like, my abs. Like, I have four visible abs. <laughs> Can I get six? No. Even when I'm lean as all heck. Like, I have my little poochie bit that's always been there. It was the last thing that disappeared and turned into just saggy skin when I was anorexic. It's just there. Yep. And it's the same, like, if you look at, like, Sam Briggs. Now has the same deal. She's got like four amazing abs and then she's got like the little yeah, the little bit underneath. And it's like to think that as a teenager you're already kind of going, Well, you've only got four. Yeah. I mean I do feel lucky that it it I as a teenager that wasn't I don't think I was focused on my abs. Well, I was back in our day, like abs things. wasn't it wasn't a really thing. a thing yet, but like that's fairly recent to like for a female Right. body to be like to have like visible abs yeah. on a pedestal yeah and i mean that's true like for me all through most of the decades of my life i would say the ideal is not abs for women right it's but it is like the slim slender belly right like so mm-hmm. all the sports illustrated swimsuit models and victoria's secret models none of them have visible abs right like that's oh, no. that's that's not the ideal at all but but it is interesting that visible abs has become a thing now that I'm in the CrossFit space and the weightlifting space. But but I also, I mean, I love um, looking at even like the podium of the CrossFit Games last year, right? On the women's side. Tia one, Laura Horvath second. Like, look at their torsos. They could not look more different. And I love that, right? That the two best female CrossFit athletes last year actually have remarkably different body types. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like so Kate talks about, you know, back in like volleyball days the size zero craze was happening and like size zero was goals and actually it's funny kind of mentioned like victoria's secrets i just started watching like a docuseries on the whole shady side of victoria's secrets and oh, like God. they were showing like lots of the <laughs> like awful. you know the famous angels shows and i was looking at them walking up and down and i was like that is how they look is far more disturbing to me than a female would like all of the muscles, muscles that might be considered like masculine because yeah. they look so frail. Like their like yeah, their only purpose in life yeah. is to be a clothes hanger, to mm-hmm. be pretty and tiny. And it looks like, you know, if you flicked them, they'd fall off the stage. Yep. I feel like what, I can't remember which one, but one, one of these profiles did mention something like being a display model only DMO. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like that whole, like, I don't want to be the display model only. And it's true, right? Like, those those bodies can't do anything oh. other than just look the way they, they look. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Katie's, the thing that stood out for me with Katie's um, article was 
definitely, you know, she's struggling with the fact that like aesthetics, whatever, you know, that was in her mind at the time was like the main thing she was focused on. So the question of like, if, what, what did she say? Um, if fitness had nothing to do with looks, would I still even do it? And I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. And that kind of blew me away because as much as I love focusing on like what my body can do, I train for specific like mountain sports so I can go out and do things I love. But like if fitness had nothing to do with looks, like would I still do it with the level and the intensity that I do? Like would I make the time to go to the gym and put that much work into it? I would. Because I, I love yeah. the process of right? training. Like, obviously, I hope that it results in, you know, from the outside, you could notice yeah. that I'm busting my ass and that I, I'm decently strong for, you know, for me. But, like, I just love the process of going to work and yeah. grinding and that, like, the mental health benefits of doing that and just, like, being in the thick of... The, the suffering and like hating life in the moment then afterwards like going holy shit I just did that yeah like that is what I love and it's just convenient that like it helps to that you know it does have uh you know I, I look at my body now and while yeah there will always be things that I'm like oh, I don't like that but I remember when I was young like I always even when I was like frail af and like weighing horribly small amounts I still craved being strong for some hmm. reason there was still like this I wanted like athletic looking legs and I just wanted to I wanted to look strong because I'd never been I was never athletic in my life yeah if you speak to my husband he will confirm that I am the least athletic person that he knows <laughs> <laughs> I just happen to like the work you like going to the gym and going to work exactly yeah. um but as for like balance speed coordination and all the rest of those attributes I suck like I'm a terrible athlete um but now I can look at my body and because of years of loving the work there are certain things that I know if I could have gone back in the day I would have been like oh damn that's cool yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wish I could have that answer. I feel like I go through cycles where I do love the work. I love the process. I love all of those things you just described. Like, you know, I still remember so clearly like the days that I hit PRs, um, like my squat clean PR. And I just, I kind of sat down afterwards, like, People were cleaning up barbells and stuff, and I just had this huge smile on my face. Like, that had absolutely nothing to do with what I looked like. Um, no one, very few people actually even really saw me do it because it was in a big class. Um, and so I think of moments like that, but then there's also, like, that's... Those moments are, like, fewer for me, I think, than, like, the days where I'm like, I just need to keep doing this so I can keep on my journey of body recomposition like or or whatever those goals are for me at the time like so I don't know I feel like I'm definitely still struggling more than it sounds like you are with and I think Katie that's why I like Katie's I'm gonna thing. refer you to my note at the top I know stop I know fighting stop fighting yourself, fighting yourself. I'm like, gonna get you to get a tattoo I mean I love that about Katie that like that's like what she admits that she was like she doesn't know the answer to that question like she says you know that CrossFit challenges her ego every day bodybuilding workouts beefed it up because those were more about aesthetics for her 
And she just straight up says, it's a mind fuck. <laughs> but if I were to give up CrossFit, I'd be admitting that I only do fitness for looks. And like, that was really fascinating because I, you know, I, I think there are so many other health benefits to exercise, obviously, than looks, right? And, and even just strength. Like we talk a lot about being strong and what we want our bodies to do. But even if you don't care about what they do, you know, care about climbing a mountain or lifting a certain amount of weight, just going to and putting in the work every day is going to have like so many more long-term health effects. And I think um, like the older you get, like when I was, when did I start CrossFit? 33? Like I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about health so much, right? Yeah. Like it was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't like kind of going, oh man, I really need to like work on this. 10 years later, almost, I'm definitely thinking about health because oh, yeah. like, you know, as much as I freaking hate to admit it, like there are things now that, you know, you notice yourself slowing down. You need to warm up a lot more. Like there's, there's starting to feel that my body's been on this earth for 42 years and I've beaten the shit out of it. And that, you know, (laughs) it's just giving, it's starting to give me that little gentle nudge, just like, Hey, Oh, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to keep going. want to keep doing this. You got to look after me and like seeing people around me too, of a similar age, like most people that I know of a similar age who I know from like the world of CrossFit or they are looking, um, you know, they look pretty good. Yeah. But then I see some examples of people who are very similar age who, who don't really take care of themselves and don't like, don't eat well, don't sleep well, live on stress and sugar, don't exercise. And they look so much older. Many of them are on like, all manner of medications and stuff and you know having to make the noise when you get out the chair not because they're sore from the gym just because <laughs> it's like age. that's how you know you're old by the way people when you have to go oh when you every get time up, you yeah. stand or when you get up out of bed god it's so true yeah i mean i definitely i feel like similarly in terms of 10 years ago and now i mean i think about things too that aren't even um when my body's not nudging me, the things I can't see or feel, but like I think about bone density now (laughs) much more than I did when I started CrossFit in my thirties. So it's even, yeah, stuff like that where I'm just like, yep, I would keep doing this even if it had nothing to do with looks, right? Like Like, I would keep lifting weights. I just always, when I think of like bone density, I think of my grandma who I never saw a whole hell of a lot, like, but I'd see her like once every three or four years when I was like in the country. And, like, I swear to God, she would lose inches between it. Just, like, inches to the point where you'd be like, oh, hello down there. (laughs) I'm like, dang. Yeah. That's, I don't, I mean, yeah, I've lost some height. Probably a combination of sitting in life jackets for weeks and weeks (laughs) of my life. And then now lifting weights and dumping heavy-ass weights on my body. But, like, I don't want to think that, you know, in 20 years' time, I'm going to start crumbling away and just... (laughs) losing inches every year or getting things like a hunchback or like if you fall you definitely will break something like a bone will just snap and and... I think like as you get older and that the potential for that kind of gets closer it just it makes me wonder like really like my health is now far more important oh yeah I think about it I mean it's probably front of mind almost all the time, right? Because and also, I think of it and eating and in terms of like body fat percentages that for a good chunk of my life, like, you know, I've tried to keep it pretty low. And, you know, 
as you age, the less body fat you have, the older you tend to look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's also that in my mind. It's like, I don't want to like be chasing after this like really tiny body fat. And then in 15 years, I look 10 years older than I need to because I'm just like got skin hanging off my bones and like there's nothing to plump it up at all. Yeah. And I don't want to start filling every corner of my body with fillers because that's just going to look real <laughs> weird. That is going to look much, much weirder than just keeping a decently healthy body fat percentage. So to make sure that we give them all time, yes, all right. Presley Hirsch is Presley next. Hirsch. And uh, yeah, she mentioned feeling like short and stocky. But then like when she got into CrossFit, and this was an interesting thing because I remember look, observing this, um, looking at like obviously elite level athletes, CrossFit athletes, females, thinking they almost had like descended stomachs. But that's mm-hmm. just like, you know, when you're in the thick of a workout and you're just like breathing. Oh yeah, you're just breathing. <laughs> and it's like, that's not a distended stomach. That's just somebody like yeah, filling lungs with the air and not, and I think like what the, the difference to me and like something that I, I still kind of have to really be conscious of, like when you're lifting weights, you have to learn to brace your core. Oh, yeah. Which means pressing out. I spent my entire life till probably mid-20s sucking, sucking in as it hard in. Yep. as I could. So when I first actually started lifting, that process of like even allowing myself in an environment where every other person in the room was doing the same thing, even just allowing myself to kind of let that go and even like push it out oh, yeah. was wild. I was like, oh... I couldn't do it. In the it's beginning. hard. I mean, it's true. That's like we, I, I was brought up in a culture. I mean, again, it's one of those things. I don't remember where I learned it, but I definitely remember, you know, sitting around with other girls on the volleyball team, sucking in our bellies. Right. I mean, until your ribs, the low ribs pop out and you're like, I, I mean, that, that was just what a weird thing for like young women to do. Right. Sit around and try to like, suck in their bellies like and then, like their organs away. especially and... if you're doing it while you're trying to work out in any way oh, for God, certain yeah. look because you can't breathe while simultaneously sucking in your in your belly it's like <laughs> yeah possible it's probably why like you always laugh at me for like not being able to like fully <laughs> not being able to belly breathe. you're not great at belly breathing that's true because <laughs> i spent so long years. going oh wait things are expanding suck it back in <laughs> suck it back well in. and it's like right i mean i know we've talked about this before on the podcast but like my you know, my struggle with this picture from a a comp I did years ago where I am in the middle of this really cool workout that my partner and I ended up winning, um, or at least beating the people we wanted to beat in it. Um, and I see this picture and all I see is like my belly coming out over my tights, like over my leggings. And again, it's like, why is, why is that a big deal? I was breathing heavy. I was deadlifting really fast. (laughs) Um, but it's tough. It's, it's yeah. Like I, I feel what what Presley was describing is definitely something uh, I feel like we all, I, I definitely went through when I was first looking at CrossFit bodies and like really strong bodies. And she um, talks about like comparing herself to other women. And I think that's a terrible thing that we all do a lot of the time. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I, I if I find myself ever doing that and it doesn't happen that much anymore, but if I do it, I'm like, you know what? There's a very good chance that she is looking at me and Going through the same thing. Right. Finding and that if we actually sat down and talked yeah. right now and like about what we're admiring and, you know, hankering after one another, we'd probably just laugh. Yep. 
No, it's absolutely true. And I really feel like her, um, so what I highlighted from reading hers, like I really feel like she had the little like wisdom nugget that I really want, want to take away is she says, I remind myself that feelings are fleeting, that some days I feel awesome, some days I don't, but none of it is permanent, just like my ever-changing body. Um, so she kind of talks about just baby steps and like kind of the cycle. And I was like, that's like my mantra that I've mentioned before of like nothing is ever everything, right? So like even the way you feel about your body, um, one, it's probably not true, right? It's just a feeling and you are not your feelings and your feelings are definitely not always true. Um, but that the, the next day could be so different. You will see your body differently from day to day. You will feel different in your body from day to day. Um, so just the reminder. That, it's really useful. Like, cause we said earlier that you can, it can be such a 180 from one day to the next. And you know, you go from feeling like a freaking Disney princess to, to a troll. And even though trolls are cute. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, trolls are cute. <laughs> and clearly you didn't go to sleep and wake up and suddenly you gained monumental amounts of weight, got covered in cellulite everywhere and your hair changed <laughs> and like everything went to shit. Like it doesn't happen. It's like the same way, like gaining weight, like masses of weight suddenly. It doesn't happen. Like it, yeah. unless something really weird's going on, you've got other medical issues, you're on certain medications. Like you, you just don't gain 10 pounds overnight. You don't. It's not possible. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. So, <laughs> um, I think for for Presley, the thing that stood out for me is like she wrote, like the more I work against my body, the more it will work against me. Yeah, and that like goes along with like stop fighting yourself. Yeah, that's so great. Like, you have yeah, like some people are put on this earth and they are freaking genetically blessed specimens, and good for them. And I can only hope that eventually I will be reincarnated enough to to reach. <laughs> genetic awesomeness or I'll just come back as an ant and someone will squish me and that'll be it and whatever go. I won't know any I won't be none the wiser <laughs> but you know you you can only do your best and I don't mean to sound that in like a participation award kind of thing right but like you literally can't as me as someone who's five foot five and built a certain way no matter how hard I try I'm never going to be six foot and athletic adonis with long flowing hair it's never gonna happen <laughs> really never you can buy the hair if you want i could buy the hair sure <laughs> i could maybe wear insane platform trainers <laughs> but uh you know it's so look at what you've got and find something start with one yeah. thing yeah. that you're like okay that's pretty cool that i can do that or i like my left eye or you know <laughs> whatever it is but like find something because fighting yourself forevermore, you're going to spend a lifetime being miserable and never learn what you're capable of, never discover your potential. Yeah. Because even those people who are genetically blessed, they still have to work with their bodies, like work with what they've been given. Mm -hmm. um, they couldn't just sit around and just become something magically. Like it's, but it's a bit uh, like the girl you mentioned at the gym, you know, six foot, mm -hmm. former swimmer, insane athlete, super strong. But if she decided that she wanted to be an elite ballerina, right, they'd laugh her off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So even the people that we perceive as having these gifts that we wish we had, um, yeah, there's still limitations there too. So. so finally, we come to Emily Beers. Emily Beers. And 
Oh, she, sorry, she was the one that mentioned like uh, this this four pack versus six pack. But like the thing yeah. that was alarming, and I I'm sure it still goes on. Um, but like she was talking about how when she was ten years old doing gymnastics, and the coach brought in oh, scales, bringing out the scales, making everyone weigh themselves in front of and each the coach, other. Because she she weighed in heavier than others and was like mortified. But what the fuck does that have to do with your performance. I mean, that's that, again. That goes back to just the like the. I mean, it basically amounts to like abuse, right? That coaches and adults back then like had. I. Well, I mean, it's not like it doesn't happen now, but um, yeah. I mean, what did that have to do? Like, did the coach provide any context whatsoever to why they were weighing the kids in front of each other? And if and... you are, like, we all know this. Obviously, a pound of muscle. Weighs the same as a pound of fat. I always love it when people say muscle weighs less. It's like, well, a pound no. is a pound across yeah. the board. Whether it's a pound of feathers or a pound of concrete, it's still a pound. But it's like the space that it takes up, right? So you might be 150 pounds and like muscular as all hell. But be a smaller sized human than yep. somebody who weighs 120 pounds and is... And has no muscle. And... Sarcopenic obese. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, God, that, that, like, you actually read some of the stories that they tell about being kids, and you're like, wow, how, how did any of us grow up to actually have any kind of healthy self-worth or I mean, if I was imagining or... if I was a parent, and I walked into a gym, and I saw oh. my child being weighed, like, oh, line up with being weighed, I'd walk over, pick up that scale, and smash the coach in the face with it. I mean... I mean, like, what earthly purpose does that serve? Yeah. But there's probably a lot of parents who perpetuate similar thoughts in their, right? I mean, we, we all have, like, if, if women are struggling with that, like, and then they have daughters, like, I can only imagine it's, you know, it's hard not to perpetuate the same kinds of things, right? Like, I just want to ban bathroom scales. <laughs> They're dangerous. Oh, yes. Everyone, in case you're curious, I, I put mine back under my bed. Thank God. I, I told Hannah stage an intervention. <laughs> the other day. No more no more weighing for Rachel these days. But so. I mean, for Emily, like that left her as a 10-year-old believing that she was too big and heavy. And then that yeah. translated not just like, oh, I'm too big and heavy for gymnastics. I'm too big and heavy for boys to and like me boys because will never like the girls her. who were lighter than her got like asked to dance before she did. Yep. And then that rolls into like, oh, well, I'm too big and heavy to ever consider maybe doing this kind of job or wearing this kind of outfit. Yep. And it's like, where does that stop? But what's interesting for her, um, man, CrossFit, you're getting some love today. But like when she got into <laughs> CrossFit, she kind of, almost flipped the switch to kind of going, I yeah. wish I could be bigger. Yeah. And I know stronger. she was able and... to kind of channel it in that other direction. Um, but I mean, I definitely felt that. I mean, for it's true. Like I, I have been guilty of saying this myself and I, I know lots of women do of like, um, you know, I wear the same size pants as my partner and that's hard. Like, why is that hard for me? I don't know. But like, girls are supposed to be smaller than boys, right? Like that's such a, a hard, deeply entrenched thing to get out of your head. Um, and I definitely remember thinking that, like that I was I was too big. If I was as big as a boy, a boy would never want me, right? Like, um, so I felt that, I felt that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to let go of. 
but I'm glad like definitely like her story of becoming a you know a games athlete like it's not like she is she is not not a, a normal crossfitter like us Emily made it to the games and um We're actually going. You know, we just got 20 more years well so here's the thing this is the the quote I wrote down from hers and I'm, I'm curious how how you as a nutrition coach will take this you know she says Note to self, the best way to give yourself acute onset body dysmorphia is to attend a high-level CrossFit event. Oh, shit. <laughs> so in a couple weeks when Hannah and I are at the CrossFit Games, um, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a revisit of this conversation to see if Emily is right. I mean, like, I think if the... I, to that point, like if, I had, if CrossFit had been around when I was in my early 20s and still very like messed up and close to eating disorder territory and I had gotten into it then I can imagine that like that drive to try and have a body exactly like whoever I idolized in CrossFit would have been really strong I feel like now we will no doubt see some like you know, range of things going on out there, but like the the star attractions are the elite individual athletes, right? Or the elite teams. Mm -hmm. And all of them are pretty much at least a decade younger, if not two decades younger than I am. So I feel like as much as I may look at them and be like, damn, I wish I'd looked like that. You know, in my mind, that's what I look like when I'm in the gym wearing my little shorts and sports bra. (laughs) Obviously don't because I'm not a 21 year old, but I feel like I'm far enough removed that I'm not going to be like, shit, I need to go home. I need to weigh and measure everything I eat. I need to double down on my fitnessing and I'm going to look like this by X number of days. I just, I don't see that happening. And if we do a podcast in three months and I'm eating like cinnamon raisin bread and vegan hot dogs ah, to meet a set of numbers, no, then don't go back please to call the me out on hot dogs it. on cinnamon raisin bread. But yeah, I get, you know. If you're, again, I think a lot of this comes down to like your environment and who's around you. Yeah. Yeah. And the people who are responsible for coaching, particularly young people, but anybody who's vulnerable have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And, and I feel like they should really, that should be anybody, especially anybody who's coaching young people in any kind of sport. That should be front and center at like how to be a coach school. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have the, you have the absolute power to make somebody and you have the absolute power to break somebody Yeah, and fuck them up for a lifetime. Luckily I was not athletic (laughs) when I was a kid, so I didn't experience any of this like athletic drama. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely had some, I mean, through gymnastics and then volleyball, I, I had some, but it's true. It's like, it's, you know. I, I'm I'm happy I've come so far. I feel like I'm definitely not yet in the place that you seem to be at, or where some of these, you know, some of these morning chalk up writers seem to be at really good places. I probably just um, started earlier. Maybe, yeah. Like I'm still <laughs> feeling like the the you know that just the baby steps, remembering that everything's fleeting. Like I had, you know, this my last thing I'll say is like I had a moment last week where uh, before I put the scale away. Uh, I had been weighing myself just periodically, but I was noticing I was kind of getting clo- back closer to a weight that I was at a while back, not like right when I started nutrition coaching um, in the pandemic, but um, yeah, like like getting up to a weight where I was like, oh, this is the weight I was trying to like fight down from. Um, 
started me thinking I should put the scale away because that doesn't matter because I'm doing things that I could not possibly have done two years ago at the same weight. Um, and I looked in the mirror and I just said to myself, I like looked at myself and I was like, even if that number is the same, I, I know for a fact that I look different and I look healthier and happier. And I just like appreciate that kind of the fact that my brain and my heart are like always going to kind of struggle with that. Like the both and of like, maybe the numbers are the same, maybe they're not. And I need to just keep going back to that. What, what do I feel like? What, what can I do? Um, and like that, it's, I think it's important to know that like the struggle or like the doubt or looking at yourself and being like, ugh, is normal. Yeah. And every single person will experience it. Even if someone always comes across as being totally confident and like right. sure of themselves, yeah. I would put everything I own on the fact that every single person at some point, yeah. some more than often, some more often than others goes, oh shit. Yeah. And that was really the common thread. Like all six of these women talked about moments where they were totally happy moments where they were not and just understanding that that's going to come and go. Um, so yeah, I was very happy that morning chalk up did a series like that. And I do think it'd be cool if they did one with, with men. I do. Yep. I do indeed. So the long and the short of it, stop fighting yourself. Stop fighting yourself. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this one. Um, we will try and come up with something juicy and exciting for the next one. Sorry, this one went out a little bit late, but thanks for sticking with us. So happy to have some new listeners, so please keep sharing. Uh, we really enjoy any feedback you can give us, and we will chat to you next time.